Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. On Wednesday nights, this is week five, we're doing a verse-by-verse study of the book of James. James chapter 2. I think we may cover 12 verses tonight, but we'll see. James chapter 2, verse 14. James 2, 14 says, what does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and have not works? Can faith save him? So let's break down terms. But my subtitle for tonight is faith alone is not enough. Faith alone is not enough. So the word profit here, James 2, 14, means to heap up, to accumulate, to benefit, to gain, and to advantage means to heap up, accumulate, benefit, gain, or advantage. So he's saying, what gain is it, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and have not works? Faith is defined as trust, confidence, belief, persuasion, and assurance. It is trust. It is confidence, it is belief, it is persuasion, it is assurance. Now, what does this word works mean? It's defined as actions, doings, deeds, or corresponding actions. Actions, doings, deeds, or corresponding actions. Now, if you read this verse alone, and you think the word save only refers to salvation, then you'll miss the point of where James is going. Martin Luther erroneously thought that's what he was talking about and dismissed the book of James as not being a weighty enough letter. But he's not talking about salvation alone in this scripture. The word save means to deliver, to protect, yes, to save, but also to heal, preserve, do well, and make whole. It is to deliver, to protect, to save, to heal, to preserve, to do well, and to make whole. So what does it gain, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and have not corresponding actions? Can faith save him? He says, if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, And you say unto them, depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. So this is like a faith statement. Okay, you don't have enough clothes, it's cold outside, you don't have any food. Go in peace. Go in shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. Be filled. Be made warm. And he's saying, you can do nothing. And not give them those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? What did you do? What gain is it to what you just saying those words over them? Even so, so in the same way, faith, if it has not corresponding actions, is dead, being alone. That word dead is also a corpse, translated a corpse. So is your faith a corpse? You can say, well, I have faith. You may have faith, but it could be dead. So that man he's talking about says, oh, I have faith. He's not negating that they have faith. But is that faith alive? Is that faith active? Or do you just have a dead corpse somewhere? Is your faith in a sarcophagus looking like the mummy? Verse 18. Yea, a man say, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. So James was saying, he's not knocking faith. He says, I have faith, but I'm going to show you I have faith by my corresponding actions. You won't have to guess, does this man have faith or not? You will know I have faith by what I do. Verse 19 says, you believe that there is one God, you do well. The devils also believe and tremble. So people say, well, I believe that there's one God. Well, good. So do the demons. So faith in there being God is not enough. This is what he's hammering in again and again. 
Verse 20, but will you know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead. So let's look at this a little bit more throughout the scriptures. Go to Mark 5. It's not just enough to believe in God. The devils even do that. It's not enough to just have faith. Faith must be acted on. There must be corresponding action with faith. Because faith by itself or faith alone is dead. There must be corresponding action with faith. Because your corresponding action releases your faith. Or Roberts just tells a story one time a man came up to him and said, I have all the faith in the world. And Or Roberts said, well, that's your problem. You never released it. Mark 5. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, and suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. Think about this woman. Not only has she been plagued by this horrible disease for 12 years, she spent all of her money. And think about ancient doctors. So all the procedures we have now are leagues better. Some are still very painful. Think about whatever they did to her to try to fix her. Think about the pain her body is in. Think about the weakened state she's in. Think about all the money she's lost, and now she's out of everything she has, and so who knows what she has left to scrape by. Think about the situation this woman is in. And it says she suffered many things. None of it was pleasant. When she had heard of Jesus, she didn't just hear, hey, there's a Jesus. What did she hear? Go to Acts chapter 10. Keep your finger here. Wednesday's Bible study night. So we take the time to walk through things we may not even be able to cover on a Sunday. So what did she hear? Go to Acts chapter 10. Verse 36. She heard of Jesus. Verse 36 of Acts chapter 10. Says the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee. So this includes where this woman is. After the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all those that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. She heard that message. Why? That's what Jesus preached. If you go to Luke chapter 4, it says his custom was. His custom wasn't going to the synagogue. His custom was going to the synagogue and opening to Isaiah, saying, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. So Jesus went around preaching, I am anointed. That's what he preached. And then he told his disciples to go preach, the kingdom of God is here. Don't preach this message, but preach this one. So every message they preach is furthering that Jesus is anointed. And it furthering that God was with him, healing all those who are oppressed of the devil. This is what was preached all throughout that area, and this is what the woman heard. So go back to Mark 5. So when she had heard, verse 27, of Jesus, how, when she heard that he was anointed, that God had anointed him, that he went around healing, when she heard of the reference in Malachi 4.2, that when the Messiah shows up, there will be healing in his wings. So that word wings means the border of the garment or the border of the prayer show. She came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. So she heard and then she said. Why is that important? Romans 10.17 Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So she heard that Jesus is anointed to heal. heal. She knew Malachi 4.2, that when the Messiah shows up, there'll be healing and the border of his garment. So she began to say again and again, verse 28 in the Amplified Classic Edition says, she kept on saying, if I but touch the hem of his garment, I will be whole. If I but touch the hem of his garment, I will be whole. I'll be made well. This is what she kept saying. So she had faith came when she heard initially 
the message about Jesus. But faith kept growing when she kept saying it. This is what she continually said. Her faith is growing every time she says it because she's hearing herself say it, and faith is still coming. But the thing is, if she only heard that message and only said what she said, she still wouldn't have been healed. She would have been at home with faith. Faith has to move you to action. She had enough faith that she got up and pressed through the crowd. Think about her weakened condition and everything that's going on with her. She doesn't have that much strength, but she got enough strength to press through the crowd. You know, sometimes people don't have enough strength to press their way to church when it rains on a Sunday. But she found enough strength to press through the crowd to get to Jesus. She reached out and touched the hem of his garment. And straightway or immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately knowing himself that virtue or dunamis, that's dynamic miracle, miracle working power, had gone out of them, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, you see the multitude thronging thee, and you said, who touched me? The disciples like, everybody is touching you. What are you talking about, Jesus? There's a crowd around you. So there's not like a big circle where Jesus is walking around and no one's touching him. Everybody is touching Jesus. Everybody wants Jesus. Everybody wants Jesus in this situation. Everybody's bumping into Jesus. So they're saying, what do you mean who touched you? But Jesus wasn't just talking about someone bumping into him. He wasn't talking about someone getting his attention. He was talking about the touch of faith. And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done to her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. So she started at the beginning 12 years ago and worked all the way to the present. And he said unto her, daughter, my power has made you whole. Daughter, my mercy has made you whole. Daughter, my word has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. Notice it's whole, not just healed. So whatever she lost because of the disease would come back to her because her faith had made her whole. But it wasn't just faith that made her whole because she had faith when she was at home. It was faith that was acted on. Faith that had been released. Faith that is acted on grabs hold to the power of God. Faith that is acted on grabs hold to the power of God. If you never act on your faith, your faith is a corpse. Go to Luke chapter 5. So it wasn't faith alone that made her whole. It was faith that was acted on. It wasn't just a touch. It was a directed faith touch. So it wasn't just in general, I'm in faith, I believe God. She was specific what she was believing for. She says, if I touch the hem of the garment, I will be whole. So Luke chapter 5, let's look at another example. Because faith without corresponding action is dead, is a corpse. Luke 5, 17. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Who's the them? Pharisees, doctors of the law. So the power of God was in that room to heal the Pharisees, to heal the, heal the doctors of the law. Because even though Jesus checked the Pharisees all the time, he loved Pharisees. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy, and they saw means to bring him in and lay him lay before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch in the midst before Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, 
Did he see their belief? No, he saw the corresponding action to their faith. He saw faith in action, so that you know faith can be seen. Faith should be seen. So whose faith? All five. These four people had enough faith to go to their friend's home, pick them up, and take them to the meeting. At any point, they could have gave up. There's not enough room in the parking lot. I don't have a seat in the front. There's no comfortable seats for me to sit in. They could have said, it's too late. They already started. Don't want to tip in with my finger up. They could have done all these different things, but they were determined. They were desperate to get to Jesus. So one of them had an idea. Hey, he's teaching right there in the middle. What if we climbed on the roof, cut a hole in the roof, and let them through? You always have to have some crazy friends in your circle. You always want people who believe God with you when no one else will believe. And they lowered them before Jesus. So that's those four men's faith. But the dude on the cot had to have faith too. You had enough faith to let your friends take you across town, carry you on top of a roof. It didn't say they had all this right equipment to get him on the roof. They could have been knocking him into the walls or taking him up. And faith to lower him down in front of Jesus, who said they had the right equipment or the pulley to lower him all the way down. They could have dropped him. Their goal was to get him to the feet of Jesus. And they pretty much figured, well, he's already close enough to the ground. Five people had faith. Just imagine because Jesus teaching, telling deep truths. Dust starts falling from the ceiling. Some straw begins to fall. He's still teaching. You know, people distracted and looking. You know, whoever owns the house. It could be Peter's house or Matthew's house. They're looking like, what's going on? What's going on? Falls out. And here comes a dude to the ground. So Jesus saw their faith. And it says, man, thy sins be forgiven thee. Why? Because that's what the Father said. And then the Pharisees began to say, think in the monks of self. Who is this man that blasphemes? Who has power to forgive but God alone? And it says, so that you know that the Son of Man, because that's how Jesus referred to himself, has power on earth to forgive sins. He says this question. He's really testing them. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto you, arise, take up your couch, and go into your house. And immediately he rose up before them and took took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. Was it the power of Jesus alone that healed that man? No. It was faith that was acted on. Verse 26, and they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. And they went home. Wait a minute. Verse 17, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. None of them were healed. Not a single one. So are you telling me God didn't love them? No, he loved them. He sent his power to heal them. None of them had faith. And if they had faith, they never acted on it. So the power of God came in the building. One person who wasn't even supposed to be there supposedly showed up in faith and got healed and left. They didn't say he stayed for the rest of the meeting. They said he went home because his faith on got him healed just like the woman with the issue of blood she came up behind Jesus Jesus was going to Jairus's house he wasn't looking for this woman he didn't say everybody wait there's somebody about to show up that needs to be healed he is heading on a mission but somebody who acts on faith can direct the ministry of the Holy Ghost Because you can come to church believing God for an answer on a specific subject and it's nowhere in my notes and the Holy Ghost will shift something 
And he was like, oh, you preached just to me. I was like, I'm glad. I don't remember what I said. Or even if it's not come through the pulpit or through a song, the Lord will begin to deal with your heart while you're sitting here. And it'll tell you exactly what you need to know. That's faith laying hold to the power of God. Faith acted on grabs the power of God. If you don't act on your faith, you won't grab on to the power of God. Go to Acts chapter 14. The healing power of God was there to minister to the Pharisees and the doctors of the law. But only those who acted on their faith were recipients of the healing power of God. Not just enough to believe. It's not just enough to say. There's also other action that is required. Acts chapter 14, verse 7. So you have Paul and Barnabas preaching. And there they preached the gospel. Now, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? It means good news. Well, what is the good news? Hold a finger here, go to Galatians 3. Verse 8. And the scripture foreseen that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel, the good news, unto Abraham, saying, In you shall all nations be blessed. The gospel is, In you shall all nations be blessed. The gospel is the blessing. Jesus went around preaching the blessing. Part of the blessing is healing. Jesus went around ministering under the Abrahamic covenant. And out of the covenant, he would say, how God has anointed me. So they began to preach the gospel. Acts 3 said, they began to preach. Peter said, it began that God sent Jesus to bless you, preaching the blessing, and turn you, everyone, from your iniquities. The first thing the blessing does, it takes you away from sin. But included in that is your healing, is your deliverance, is your preservation, is your protection, is you being made whole, is all the definitions of salvation. That is what the gospel is. So they're preaching that message, how God anointed Jesus, how Jesus went around teaching and healing and doing good works, how he died, but on the third day God raised him from the dead. They're preaching this wonderful message. But verse 8 says, and there was a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. The same heard Paul speak. Remember, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. So this man got faith as he listened to Paul preach. But that wasn't enough. People can have faith to be healed and stay sick. People can have faith to be healed and die early. Because faith without corresponding action is a corpse. Notice what it says. Said with a loud voice, stand up right on your feet. What is this? A corresponding action for this man's faith. And he leaped and walked. He acted on what he believed, and he was healed. Go back to James. Say, faith must be acted on. If it's not acted on, it's a corpse. James 2, verse 21. So now James gives some examples of his own. Was not Abraham our father justified by corresponding action when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works and by works has made faith perfect or perfect? Complete. 
Faith without the corresponding action is not complete. So let's look what he's talking about. Go to Genesis 22. Genesis 22, verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt to prove or put to test Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he says, Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell you of. So think about if you're Abraham. God tells you this. Your first mental response is, what? Take my only son. Underline that word. Remember, this is the son Abraham believed for, used his faith for. That he didn't have until he was 100. And now, 13 years or more later, God says, I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. So Abraham rises up, grabs his crew, and they head to the place that God had told him. And then he leaves the donkey and the young men who brought with him and tells him to stay there. And he says, I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Wait a minute. I thought God said, offer him as a sacrifice. Faith is talking. He says, me and the lad are coming back. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here am I, my son. And he said, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb, underline lamb, for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Second words of faith. He's going to offer Isaac, but he said, God will provide. And they came to the place which God had told them of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not your hand upon the lad, neither do you anything unto him, for now I know that you fear God seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, important phrase, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for burnt offering instead of his son. Now, his faith got a ram, but that's not what Abraham said. What did Abraham say God would provide? But God gave him a ram. Hold a finger here and go to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, verse 17. Because if Abraham said twice that Isaac was coming back again, what did Abraham believe? Hebrews eleven seventeen tells you exactly what Abraham believed. Hebrews eleven seventeen. 17. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Very important phrase. Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall your seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. So Abraham believed. That God will raise my son, my descendant, in whom the promise is from the dead. Abraham believed that God would raise his only begotten son from the dead. But God gave Abraham a ram. But he already said God would provide himself a lamb. 
You get to John 1, 29, John the Baptist cries out when he sees Jesus, behold the Lamb of God. Outside of Jesus, one of the most important men of the Bible is Abraham. Because Abraham's faith acted on in this passage opened the door for Jesus to come into the earth legally. God and Abraham were in a covenant. That covenant he had with Abraham is whatever one party is willing to do, the other party has to be willing to do. So he had to find a man who would believe him. He had to find a man who would be willing to do what God was willing to do. So he told Abraham, I need you to offer up your son, your only begotten son. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten. God needed Abraham to love him enough to offer his son so that God could send his son. Abraham believed enough to offer. And that's set up for Jesus to come for me and you. Isaac believed enough to offer himself. Because Isaac is at least 13 years old at this point. He can fight his old man off. There's no way you're putting those ropes on me. There's no way you're stabbing me. There's no way you're setting me on fire. I'm out. You find yourself a sacrifice. Isaac believed. Jesus believed to offer himself up. Their faith acted on, opened the door for Jesus to come for me and you. Abraham believed that God would raise his son from the dead. Up to this point, we have no biblical proof that God ever raised anybody from the dead. But Abraham knew God well enough. He promised me that my descendants are coming through Isaac. So if I have to offer him up, God will raise him up and we're coming back again. Go back to James. So this story gives us more information. What is the corresponding action? The corresponding action is whatever God tells you to do. The corresponding action is whatever God tells you to do. Hold a finger here, it goes back to Mark 11. The corresponding action is whatever God tells you to do. Mark 11. In verse 14, he said, Jesus answered and said unto the fig tree, No man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. Now, did Jesus randomly just start talking to trees? No, he passed this tree the day before. Saw at least twice. The Lord, the Father told him, go and speak to that tree. So he spoke to the tree. Comes back the next day. It has withered up from the root. So when you get to verse 20, and in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter calling to remember saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which you curse is withered away. And Jesus answered and said, have faith in God, or have the God kind of faith. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, nine words if you don't include and, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says." Believe is mentioned once. Say is mentioned three times. As we saw with the woman with the issue of blood, what you say is important. It's not just, well, I believe there's God. Good. It's a good starting point. Now you got to change what you say. Now, is it just you just say random things? No, because Jesus said, I only say what I hear my father say. I only do what I see him do. So these words... Jesus spoke to the fig tree, for this situation is the corresponding action. Why? Because God told him to say it. So you may run up to circumstances and ask God, what should I do about this? And it says, say this to it. And that's what you say. If he says to do nothing else at all, then you don't add on to those words. That's all you do. That is your corresponding action. But in other cases, there may be some physical actions you must do. So the corresponding action is whatever God tells you to do or whatever he may tell you to say. 
So go back to James now. Because there's plenty of corresponding actions already in the word of God. People can believe that God is a provider. They can believe that God wants them to prosper. But if they never tithe or give offering, that faith is a corpse. James chapter 2. Verse 22, see how faith wrought with his works, and by the corresponding action was faith made complete or perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. He believed God. God could count on him. You see then how that by corresponding actions a man is justified, and not by faith only. So he's not knocking faith. He's saying faith has to be acted on to be faith for real. Likewise, also was not Rahab the harlot justified by corresponding actions when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? Go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31, and we'll come back to James in a moment. So let's look at Rahab. Hebrews eleven thirty one. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not, when she had received the spies with peace. Important things in the scripture. You know the Bible never judges Rahab for being a prostitute. Never says any problem came to her. She said, by faith, she did not die with them that did not believe. So why did those in Jericho die? They refused to believe. Not because of all their sins. The sin of the Amorite was full. That's why judgment came. But it finally came because they refused to believe. What did they refuse to believe? The word that was preached. And every generation... There is a word that is preached. In Noah's day, it was repent, there is a flood coming. Abraham had a word that he preached because he was a prophet. Moses had a word which he preached. In every generation, in every time, in every move of God, there is something that God is saying. And judgment comes when people do not believe. Go to Joshua 2. Because that lets you know that if everyone else believed, they wouldn't have died. Joshua 2. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the only way Rahab could believe is because she heard something. So Joshua chapter 2, verse 9. So after she hid the spies... She came up to them on the roof and said unto the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. Whoa, whoa, whoa. How do you know this? And that your terrors fall upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard. We all heard this. How the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. When you came out of Egypt and what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites, that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon Ak, whom you utterly deserved, destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. She heard what God did. She heard the report, the testimony, the fame of the Lord. The whole city, the whole area heard it, yet she believed it. So she believes and acts on what she believes by hiding the spies and said, he is Lord. He is God in heaven above and God on earth beneath. So here's what I need you to do for me. Why? She's acting on what she believes. And they said, you put the scarlet rope on your window. And whoever is in your house will stay alive. Her believing saved her entire family. And whoever was in her house. So the thing is, if she had a house, she could have had some other prostitutes there with her. She could have had other friends with her. 
And she probably invited everybody to come on in my house. Well, why? Don't worry about it. Trying to sell us Tupperware, don't worry about it. Just show up. Just come on, everybody. Oh, let's, oh something's happening outside. Lock the door. Nobody going nowhere. Because it said, whoever's in your house will be saved. See, faith can save your house. You got to stay in faith. But the thing is, she did not know how God would give the Israelites the victory. None of them knew that God was going to knock the wall down. None of them knew that. So they go and march around the wall seven days in a row. The first six days, one time around the whole city. And the seventh day, seven times. Now that doesn't seem like a big deal if you don't remember where Rahab's house was. On the wall. That is a problem. The walls are going to fall and her house is on the wall. But she's in faith. She's already spoken her faith, and now she's acting on her faith. So they walk around the wall the seven different times, and they let out a shout, and the walls fall, but Rahab's house stands. Faith held up her house, preserved her house. Everything else fell down. Everyone else was defeated. Everyone else lost, but one woman who dared to believe God was saved. Her family was preserved. Her family was delivered. Her family was protected because she believed God. But that wasn't enough. Faith took her out of a lifestyle, but then it says she married one of the princes among the people. Not only did faith save her family, it got her into a good relationship. And he wasn't just a good man, he was a good man with money. Because not only was it a generation of one wealth, it was generational wealth that lasted generations. Because you follow her family line a little bit further, and she has a descendant named Boaz. And Boaz had money when everyone else was broke. There's a famine, but he's taking care of everybody. He's giving people jobs when there's no food to eat. Ruth marries Boaz, and the line keeps going. Then she has a descendant named Jesse, and he has a son named David. Her faith took her out of a heathen lifestyle, preserved her family, delivered her family, protected her family, and put her in the lineage of kings. But that wasn't enough because you think that's great. She's forever memorialized in Israeli history. But she has an even more famous descendant. Because now she's the great, 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 great grandmother of the Messiah. Because she believed. Because she spoke. Because she acted on what she believed. So yes, Jesus is the son of Abraham, the son of Isaac. The son of Jacob, the son of Judah, the son of David, the son of Solomon, but he's also the son of Rahab. Because she believed. Go back to James 2. And she acted on what she believed. She could have believed, but never acted on it, and died with the rest of Jericho. But she acted on what she believed by hiding those spies. James 2, verse 26, will bring this thing to a close. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without corresponding action is dead also. It's just a corpse. It's not just enough to believe. You have to believe, you have to speak, and you have to act. And then what do you do after that? Because faith receives from God. Then if God gives you something, it's just polite to say thank you. So faith praises God. 
Faith thanks God. Faith is grateful. You're not in faith if you're not working it. If you're not actively working your faith, you are not in faith. Your faith is just a corpse. It could be a big corpse. He's like, I've been hearing the message of faith for decades. I got Charles Capp's original booklet. He signed it for me in the 70s. I remember seeing Dad Hagen. I remember Brother Copeland when he was 40. I remember all those meetings. I've been to all those meetings. I saw all these things. I heard all these great preachers. But if you don't act on it, you just got a corpse. If you never act, you're not releasing your faith. So it's not just an action once. This is a lifestyle. That means I'm consistently speaking, believing, and acting on what I believe. It's not saying I was in faith one day. I was in faith on Sunday. I was in faith on Wednesday. This is a lifestyle that just live by faith. So the just live by believing, the just live by speaking, the just live by acting, and the just live by praising. It's not just enough to believe. Faith alone is not enough. You must act on it. You must know what the word says about your situation so you can believe, so you can pray, you can speak, you can receive, and then you act. That explains why we do certain things when we have a healing line. You hear me say what the word says all the time, Mark 16. Believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I'm a believer. I have hands, so I qualify. Why? I'm telling them what the word says. But I'm also telling everyone in the congregation, you're a believer. You have hands. You qualify. And then I tell them after we lay hands on them, their job is to receive and then begin to do what they couldn't do before. What is that? The corresponding action to what they believe. And so there are times, specific times, I'm laying hands on people and I'll have time out working with them and I'll tell them to do random, seemingly very strange things. I will tell someone, go give them a high five. And you're thinking, what does that have to do with healing? What does Jesus spit in the mud and put on someone's eyes have to do with healing? It's whatever the Father said do. So I'm walking through this line, I'm like, okay, God, what am I supposed to do? Tell them to do what? All right. I remember we had someone who come up, I think she had back problems or something, and the Lord told me to tell her to do squat jumps. Now, if you've never done squat jumps, you still haven't experienced something. <laughs> and the thing is, the only reason it's probably fresh in my mind is because the training class I went to the day before, I could still feel the results of the squat jumps. And so, we did them together, and she walked away perfectly whole or something the doctors couldn't handle. Acted on what we believe. So we'll tell people, go take a lap. Go give someone a high five. Touch your toes. Do this. Do that. What we're doing is getting them to act on what they believe. Because if they don't act, they won't lay hold to the power of God. The power of God can go through their body, but they won't receive a benefit of it. Or the power of God can be flowing really heavy. And you place your hands on their head, but they won't receive anything because they're just coming, well, let me see if it works. And you know, out of the mercy of God, people do get healed sometimes like that. People get healed in a congregation because the anointing is moving. They weren't even in faith, but someone else was in faith. But things, you have to grow up and get faith for yourself. You have to believe, you have to speak, you have to act. That's why we do the things we do because it's all about faith. The majority of times you see people healed in the Gospels, these specific instances, Jesus says, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has healed you. Yes, he's anointed. Yes, he pre preached he's anointed. But it was their faith that made a difference. So you are responsible for building your faith, for putting yourself in a position to hear the word of God on a continual basis. That's why we spent all last month saying it's not just enough to hear it one day a week or two days a week, you should take time to read the Bible every day, read it aloud every day, and listen to a message every day. 
why faith is continually coming to you. Giving you more opportunities to act on your faith and lay hold to the power of God. Because if you don't lay hold to the power of God, you will stay in your current situation. And it's not emotions that move God. Being emotional doesn't lay hold to the power of God. Crying doesn't lay hold to the power of God. Screaming doesn't lay hold to the power of God. Faith acted on does. You must act on your faith consistently. You must go beyond from just believing and just speaking to the action God tells you to do. So stand to your feet. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you faith has come to our heart. And now we're going to take time to act on what we believe. So if you have any sickness, disease, or pain in your body, come forward. Any sickness, disease, pain, infirmity, whatever in your body, come forward. Faith makes the difference. Galatians 5, 6, faith that works by love gives you the advantage. That's how you win in life. Faith that works by love. Let's lift our hands one more time. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truths that are in your word. We thank you for making the book of James come alive to us tonight. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed in prayer. No one moving or walking unless you've been assigned. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.